0: Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis, and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today, we are considering the meaning of bookishness. I'm joined by Jessica Pressman, who is the Associate Professor of English and Comparative Literature at San Diego State University. Now, Jessica is the author of a book called Bookishness, Loving Books in a Digital Age. Jessica explains how bookishness is represented in 21st century culture and how print is loved while being surrounded by digital media. She explores bookishness through book-themed objects, films, book design, and experimental writing. Welcome, Jessica.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Um, So, my, my first question is an easy one. Or maybe it's not, but can you give us your definition of bookishness?
1: Well, sure. I mean, the the whole book is really dedicated to um, identifying it. But I I see it as a a really 21st century phenomenon of um, articulating and aestheticizing a love of books and books as objects, not just media for containing stories or content. In a digital age, in an age that is digitized. So that looks like um, novels about books. That looks like art made out of books. That looks like stop motion films where books come to life. That looks like um, socks and bow ties covered with books or cell phone covers made to look like books. It's these moments of using our digital culture, um, uh, our technologies, and our social media to express ourselves as bookish.
0: So I when I read the book I my first thought was about Instagram and when I look at mm. the people I follow we follow at a books I see so many people who are posting beautiful images of books in beautiful settings they've gone to an immense amount of trouble to design um, a beautiful setting for a particular pile of books or one particular books one particular book and I'm thinking maybe this maybe Instagram counts as bookishness
1: Absolutely, or at least those threads of of Instagram. Um, I talk about uh, the genre of portraiture called shelfie, which is the version of selfies where we take pictures of our bookshelves or stacks of books, and we use those images to um, project ourselves as as bookish people. Um, So I I follow those kinds of things as well. And I also – I just – I just wrote a piece for the LA Review of Books blog about bookshelves um, uh, in the background, Zoom, fake Zoom bookshelves and and how they mean uh, and express a kind of credibility online. So you're absolutely right to look to those visual media of social media for bookishness.
0: So if you, uh, so your book was published last year, if you wrote it today. Would you include something on the Zoom backgrounds and how important those bookshelves are?
1: Absolutely. I, I turned in the book um, last uh, a year ago in February, and the book was published in December. So I've actually been spending a lot of time thinking about how my relationship to bookishness has changed during the last ten months of quarantine. Um, and I just gave a, a little talk about that, and, and because you know, I spent ten years thinking about bookishness. And writing about it, but the last 10 months have really taught me to feel it, to to make stacks of books in my bedroom, books that I just finished and books that I plan to read, and those have become kind of companions in a way that's become urgent and extreme and really poignant um, during isolation due to COVID. So I, I, I would certainly have another chapter on bookishness due to COVID w- that could include those Zoom backgrounds. So,
0: why do you think that is? Is that simply because you're spending more time in w- with your personal library?
1: Yes, I think so. but also, I've been buying new books and rereading old ones, um finding a new need for for books i mean i'm I'm an English professor, so i you know i I, I make a living and a life out of reading books. Um, but I definitely found during quarantine that I, I was reading in a different way for a kind of comfort from the words and also the physical um, thing of the book, and oftentimes going to my library and, and finding the, um, the books that mattered to me in better times. I mean, I just reread The Lighthouse, Virginia Woolf, um, and even finding my own marginalia was so meaningful um, uh, and just reminded me of, of earlier moments as a reader and of, of finding books on my bookshelves that I've purchased in beautiful places too when I'm not able to travel right now. So um, so my relationship to the book and the book on my bookshelves has, has certainly um, acquired a new intensity, I would say.
0: So in, in the book you talk about um, various films – uh, and one of your examples is a short film called The, Fa- the Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lessmore, an animated film. Um, why is this film such a good example of bookishness?
1: Yes, actually, in in the chapter, I'm talking about the children's book. But the children's book is based on, it's a transmedial work. It was a film and an app uh, and then a standalone children's book, and they all contain this bookish element. And I was really interested in, um, especially how the bookishness could proceed across the triangle as media. Um, but the book and the story across all of them is um, about a character who uh, loves books, and is then up, his life is uprooted by Hurricane Katrina. Although it doesn't exactly say that, um, and then find shelter in this. Little um, home made of books from, and he becomes the doctor and the, a caretaker of books. So he finds a new, uh, a new safe space and haven from a tumultuous world with books as friends. Um, and that the fact that that was especially was aimed towards children was really interesting to me. And I I, I wrote about children's books in bookishness because. Um, This is not just a fetishization for adults. This is also how we teach our kids to read and love books, even though they are going to school on Zoom screens right now and um, largely reading and and learning on iPads. So how we teach them to love books when they're not actually reading books as their primary medium uh, is something I'm very interested in, in my own book.
0: So the, the film and the app came before the book, is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes, I believe that's right. I believe that the, I, I believe that the app came first, but I, I'm not sure. The book is the last.
0: So you, usually it's the other way around. Usually books inspire films.
1: Yes, often that's true, um, and uh, but we we but not always, right? I mean, even think about the kind of fiction. Fanfic- we tend to think of fan fiction as being uh, derivative from books but actually there's you know fan fiction from star wars and star trek and these kinds of things that that produce books um so so it's the it's often a recursive or a spiral uh feedback loop of media
0: either way it's a joyful film and you reference a second short shorter film um, from 2012, I think, called "The Joy of Books," which was a huge viral yeah. phenomenon at the time. I remember showing it to my children, and they loved it.
1: That one is special because the books actually come to life. And in less more, they are depicted as having life and as, um, as, as being characters. But "The Joy of Books" and other stop motion films like it use this um, this older technique of stop motion animation, which is one of the first. Uh, you know tricks of cinema, um, which was you know you you take a picture, you take a short segment of film with an object. You stop, you move the object, and start shooting again, and it looks like the object has moved independent of the human hand. So that sleight of hand is present in these um, animated books, and the idea of a bookshelf, the joy of books, is about a bookshelf, uh, a bookstore, excuse me, coming to life after hours, and there's a kind of voyeuristic. Uh, uh, interest that that drives our our desire, our cinematic desire to see to peer into the windows and see what happens um, in between the covers of books when humans aren't looking, and I, I it's it's joyful and um, and uh, and and you know referencing the joy of sex, it's pleasurable, it's voyeuristic, um, but it's also you know this very much about independent bookstores. Uh, it, it's um, it's it's an ode to the independent bookstore and the kind of gloriousness of what happens in a space that is uh, private and curated and loved. So it's both about the books, but also about the the space that the books inhabit.
0: I was thinking about things like um, where you have the opportunity to spend the night in a bookstore. I think Shakespeare and Co yeah. have offered that. There's a a bookstore in uh, Wigtown in Scotland who have given you the chance to run a bookstore for the weekend. Um, I saw a write up on that. So there's other other times when you get to cha- you get to experience part of a bookish phenomenon that's everyday life for other people.
1: Part of the nostalgia is. You know, part of the, the the drive to capitalize on that right now is the nostalgia for the death of the bookstore. Just like previously, the death of the book. Um, it, it may not have been so exciting to to manage a bookstore for two days when we all had bookstores on our corners and could go, you know, go in and and hang out as much as we wanted. But in the age of Kindles and and uh, big bookstores, and now in the age of uh, seemingly the death of a little bookstore. Um, or independent bookshop, that becomes a form of, of fetishization and nostalgia that we can associate um, with bookish folk and now in a, a kind of creative way to capitalize on it.
0: So this intense bookishness, is that any sort of reaction to the articles we saw around, I don't know, 2005, 2006, 2007, when people were predicting the end of the physical book?
1: Yes, and in fact, that's the argument really of uh, that frames my book. Um, I started. I've, I worked ten years on this book, and when I first introduced the idea of bookishness, I really had to defend it. Um, I had to. Pre- I saw it in experimental literature mostly, and had to show that there was this uh, cultural phenomenon of aestheticizing the bookish thing in the moment of the digital, and that was a very different moment. That the first decade of the twenty-first century was filled with pundits and fears of the death of the book in the face of the digital, and that the e-reader would destroy everything. And I think we we recognize where we are in a different moment now. We still have books, still want them <laughs> along, even though we have Kindles, too. Um, so there's been a lot of medial change and certainly feelings about, changes in our feelings about that change in the last 20 years. But you're, you're absolutely right to identify those earlier cultural moments of fears of the death of the book as promoting a response that I call bookishness.
0: So the book is indeed alive and well, and uh, yes. examples that I can include are things like where it has gone from strength to strength would be the book arts, but also you talk a lot about experimental writing, and one of the books you write about is Tree of Codes* by Jonathan Safran Foer, and... Um, which is a really interesting book, full of die cuts, full of holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talk about that book being a form of memorial. Um, I didn't quite understand that. Can you can you explain why mm-hmm. how a book can embrace the past? Why why it's so important?
1: Books are archives, right? They archive uh, the thoughts of those who came before us. They can be personal archives. Uh, think about writing a family's genealogy in the. Um, on the title page of a, of the Bible or think about, you know, a whole, putting your flowers and pressing them or love letters or whatever, thinking about the book, the Codex as an archive. And Foyer's book is is die-cut, importantly, from uh, a book about memorial. It's Bruno Schultz's um, The Street of Crocodiles from 1934. And Schultz was killed in the Holocaust, and his book is um, uh, is a kind of memorial also to an earlier Time of, of, of change at the earlier the part of the 20th century with technological and um, industrial change. And, and so I, I am showing, I'm trying to show that that book works memorial on multiple levels because it's memorializing Schultz's book, memorializing uh, lost people and memories and bodies of the Holocaust, but also Foyer famously says that um, that his book Uh, is happening in a moment when the book uh, can't forget it has a body. And I read that as, you know, his book is happening in a moment when uh, books have bodies because they could lose them to to digitization. So whereas people fear the death of their bodies due to the Holocaust, um, there is a kind of parallel here. Uh, to digitization, of course not, (laughs) please excuse the kind of um, uh, crude parallels, but in terms of thinking about the importance of bodies mattering in in particular historical moments. So that's how I'm thinking about the memorial function of books and of bookishness as a strategy.
0: So I immediately think of the importance of bindings, of how people love a, a leather binding or a beautiful dust jacket, or even inside the book where they they pick up a used book, and there are notations from a previous reader, and you can be drawn into those. It's almost like a tattoo.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And I mean, to go back to the bodies of books, right, to think about leather, um, and to think about vellum as the bodies of animals, and to think about how we describe books as, as having bodies, as um, a header and a footer to think about how we orientate our own bodies toward the books, we, we dive into it, we cover our faces. So these are very embodied, they can be very embodied experiences and very um, embodied and personal relationships to these uh, codexical bodies, these books.
0: So you lecture about books, I sell books, but why is bookishness important outside of our world? What, why is it so important?
1: Yeah, I really hope that this book is not just of interest to academics or to people that already identify as bookish, whether that's intellectual or collector or whatever. I, I, I want people to think about how we, the modes through which we um, connect as humans, the media through which we connect as humans. And I, I think of books as, as means of connecting to other human beings, living in past. And um, and so there are many ways that we do that and books are one of them. And I also hope that this book speaks to people who love the digital and perhaps have never thought about loving books and can now see connections instead of seeing computer versus book or print versus digital, can see actually real uh, fortified connections um, between these media forms.
0: Is there any other physical object that c- compare to the book in terms of this sort of cultural engagement. The only possible example I could think of was the car.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting example. I've, I've had that question before, but no one said the car. So That's, an, that's a great example. Um, you know, we have nostalgia for other objects, and especially recently, other um, objects who seem to be coming obsolete due to the digital. For example, typewriters or vinyl records, um, even fountain pens have become new sources of interest. But I don't think anything compares to the book, because the book is not just a medium or an object or a commodity. It's also um, historically been a symbol of power, a symbol of knowledge, a symbol of Western Enlightenment culture, imperialism, colonialism, and of course, religion, the word of God, the people of the book, right? It's... Um, it is an object that is, uh, it's a fetish object um, in multiple ways and multiple layers of culture. So there, there is no other object that, <laughs> that um, has been such a symbol of, um, of meaning, of power, of politics, and pleasure.
0: There's a bookshop down the road and they have little stuffed dolls of Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm thinking of <laughs> something like that. Is there something like that that you love particularly?
1: Um, and I, you know, when I first started, I used my Reese quote. I'm quote, doing air quotes. Research budget <laughs> to buy such things, including my first purchase was a um, was a computer, a leather-bound computer case that looked like a beautiful leather-bound book, and I loved it so much. And and it also was, you know, no one had seen anything like it. So I, was, I would unzip it, and you would hear it, the oohs and ahs. Um, so I would think that would be the thing I would think of first. But I have so many others, including a very different type, type of object, which is um, in the middle of the project, I was trying to understand the art form I called called bookwork, wherein um, sculptors uh, excavate or tear apart or engage with the book as a physical um, material for making sculpture. And I took my Modern Language Association, my MLA Style Guide, which is the, the Style Guide for Academic Articles. <laughs> And I, um, I I broke it. I broke it and made a mobile out of it. And it was such a terrifying and empowering and sublime experience to break this academic style guide and make art from it. So that's another object that's very meaningful to me as bookishness.
0: Okay, so wh- where does all this go now? We've had like an amazing 15 years where digital culture has met bookish culture. What does the future hold now for people who love books and want to do bookish things?
1: That's a great question, and I learned that early on, the difference between being uh, a scholar and a student of the past and being a prophet. But I I think the future looks good for those of us that love books. I mean, um, we can can purchase at affordable prices beautifully made books um, with glittering colors and fantastic typography and design. We can own books. Um, But we can also see really fantastic experiments in um, augmented reality works that use books and the computer um, to create poetry and fiction. So I think there will be a lot of wonderful experiments in thinking about and through books in our future.
0: One example I was thinking of, um, I think last year there was um, a book about the British photographer David Bailey published by Tashin and they had five variants of the cover, so you could choose the one you wanted. You could have one with his Rolling Stones picture, you could have one with his Beatles picture, uh, one with Mary Quant or something like that, so you could almost tailor the book to your personal desire.
1: That sounds very Victorian, right, going and buying um, uh, the, the cover that you desire. I mean, that's we can we uh middle class can afford that that kind of beautiful design now due to digital publishing and technologies. So um that sounds wonderful. That's exciting.
0: Indeed, yeah. Sadly it's a very expensive book and but there you go. Oh <laughs> there goes my thousands. <laughs> He'd signed it too. But there you go. There'll be a cheaper <laughs> one soon. Uh all right. Uh one Final question, which we ask all our guests, and that is: uh, What book or books are you currently reading?
1: Oh, oh! Well, this quarantine period has made me stack and read between many things. So, I'm actually reading uh, between. I'm reading Jill Lepore's These Truths, which is a fantastic history of the United States. I'm trying to understand um, what we've been going through over the last four years. I am reading, uh, I'm starting a new project, uh, perhaps about mermaids. So I'm reading some work on mermaids. I just read the m- most incredible um, biography of Walt Whitman, and I read it alongside, I'm reading it alongside Mark Dottie's What is the Grass? um a uh, kind of homage to Whitman's poetry. So I'm kind of all over the place but seeking inspiration um in between between the covers of the books on my shelves.
0: And why mermaids what's catching your eye there? <laughs> oh, this is a whole no-
1: I've been um obsessed with mermaids since I was a little kid and um and I'm fine. I've always wanted to write a book about them. I've seen mermaids in from Victorian literature to, uh, you know, of course, across uh, international literature, and now I'm starting to think about them actually as part of the history of the book. So, I'm just starting, but maybe soon. <laughs> There'll be a mermaid-ish book. out. There. My house is full of uh, mermaids, mermaid kitsch. Um, always has been. So going from books to mermaids to maybe a book about mermaids we will see
0: we shall see yes well let me know if you do (laughs) if you do get one all right Very well. okay that's all we have time for this week many thanks to Jessica Pressman well
1: thank you so much it's been such a pleasure
0: thank you so much for joining us Uh, Jessica is the author of a book called bookishness loving books in a digital age Um, thank you so much for joining us Jessica Thanks for listening. My name is Richard Davis and you've been listening to an Ape Books podcast and we'll see you all again soon.